Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz. He's back and continuing our discussion, previewing the Seahawks and what they have to deal with in free agency. He's John Gilbert, deputy editor at Field Goals. John, let's get right into it and start by looking at the free agents on offense. And so uh, I, ju- I just want to run down this list real quick, John. Uh, you got left guard Mikey Potty. I, I think he's going to be, I think he's probably going to retire after what we saw from him this year. Greg Olson, it looks like he's probably going to retire, move on to doing TV stuff. And, and in terms of starters, really, those are the only guys that are starting level that uh, are coming off veteran contracts. There's Ethan Posick, who, who we talked about before. Um, and then kind of guys just above $2 million who are uh, who had significant playing time. You got Jacob Hollister. You got Carlos Hyde. You got Cedric Aboyhe, who filled in at right tackle. And so I, I guess those are the key free agents to me. Um, what do you see out of that particular group? You know, I think it's obvious. I mean, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. I think your potty's likely played his last down for Seattle unless, you know, unless he's magically clears medicals and he signs a, a deal where he's expected to be a backup going forward. You know, it could be a, maybe he goes onto the practice squad, you know, next year uh, just to, you know, just to be around or something like that. But I don't think he's, you know, I mean, Come the end of the season, both 2019 and 2020, he was not available, you know, or ineffective due to injuries late in the year. And yeah, I think they'll be more than happy to roll with Warmack Simmons and somebody else, Haynes or whoever in competition at the guard, a left guard. Signed Alex Boone uh, to the practice squad at the end of the year. Maybe he comes back. (laughs) Well, he hasn't played in the NFL since 2017, but he does have a relationship with Solari. So, you know, whether that was just a, hey, let me hook you up, you know, Alex, or, you know, hey, we really need some help here. Um, You know, whatever that call was. I think I think we see competition at left guard. I think that may draft somebody may sign up, you know, open up the competition at center. Um, you know, maybe Justin Britt comes back on a, on a prove it deal and wins out in a camp competition. We'll see, um, you know, but I, I think, I think center and left guard will be those positions where it's, they bring in some bodies and they let people get, you know, they give people a shot to win and, you know, see what they can prove in camp. And then they'll come out and whether it's preseason or whether it's week one, we'll find out, okay, week one, you know, we, now we get to find, you know, 90 minutes before the game, we'll find out who the starting lineup is when they're reporting it from the warmups and the, uh, you know, from the press box. And, you know, I think running back Carson is obviously a question, but you've got, you know, they've got Homer, they've got Dallas, they've got Penny coming back. So it's, you know, they've got bodies at the position is a bit, not necessarily the bodies that they had at the top of the depth chart next year. So I could see something there. If there is something to be had, if there is somebody who is available on a, uh, you know, somebody with ex- more experience or you know, whether it's a return of Mike Davis or, you know, whether Carlos Hyde would come back, I, tight end again you know i think it's going to be a whole lot of bodies they seem to love luke wilson and bring love the energy that he brings so maybe they have him come back once again Uh, obviously you've got parkinson we'll see what happens with sullivan whether he develops whether he plays what exactly was his injury that landed him on the you know on practice squad injured reserve this year Uh, i don't think we'll see big splash signings you know we've we've seen ed dixon we've seen greg olson and we just we haven't seen a whole lot of returns on it. I would not be surprised if Jacob Hollister comes back on an inexpensive contract next year. And the, one of the big things is, you know, I think it'll be a bodies, you know, numbers thing again, where it's 
who is going to be in competition for that wide receiver, wide receiver three spot to re- potentially replace David Moore if he goes elsewhere. You know, whether it's Freddie Swain, whether it's John Ursua, you know, they've got all of the guys who were on the receivers who were on the practice squad this year who are set to come back, who, you know, it's a full year of practice in the system. Penny Hart, of course, spent much of the year on the active roster, got a little bit of playing time, got some, you know, some production. So not nothing spectacular or crazy, but, you know, at least at least time on the field. So we'll. I, th- I think there will be a whole lot of competition on the offensive side of the ball come training camp. Yeah, a lot more production on the field for Hart than Philip Dorsett. Although it sounds like Dorsett <laughs> could come back another year, and really, you know, the the one million dollar salary that he had last year that is probably something that the Seahawks could give him once again if they if they do think that he has the chance of playing on the field next year. No, absolutely. I mean, if you know. You, He's a former first round pick who's shown that he can at least play. He's not an all pro. He's not a pro bowler by any stretch, but if he can bring the skill set that, that they're looking for, then, you know, which obviously Pete loves speed at wide receivers and challenge through the defense deep to stretch the defense, get the safeties back, open things up underneath for the run. As long as that foot heals up, Dorsett might be one of those guys who's in the mix, especially, like you said, if, if he's willing to sign for league minimum again, you know, please bring him back. I think we hit on offensive line probably being the number one need for the Seahawks in the offseason, especially with two starting positions potentially being up for grabs. Where do you see the next biggest need between running back, tight end and wide receiver? I don't necessarily think of it as I wouldn't necessarily say it's the biggest need, but I'd say the biggest question, Um, you know, we've seen both of the last two years, we've seen how the offense can sputter at times when Tyler Lockett is not on the field. So that third wide receiver spot, you know, it's not life or death. It's not win or lose, but it is something that's important, at least for this team to have those weapons on the field, I believe. Whether it, you know, whether more comes back, whether it's Dorsett, whether it's one of the younger guys who competes, that for me is the biggest, at least the biggest area of concern, the biggest question mark during the offseason. John, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it, but Pro Bowl fullback Nick Ballore, he is a free agent this offseason. What do the Seahawks do at fullback this offseason? You know, I... Ballure was brought in by, um, I believe he, he had connections with Shadi. Shadi, he had played with the Jets back in 2011. He was, you know, he's a converted linebacker. And I don't, I don't know if, you know, if what his relationship is with, whether it was Shadi that brought him in fully, whether he's, you know, he's a Pete guy now, whatever it is. But this is, you know, it will certainly be interesting to see because in particular, I could see him coming back simply for his special teams contributions. You know, he's one of the leaders in terms of snaps on special teams. The special teams this season was light years better than they've been in the past couple of seasons. And he was, you know, again, among the snaps leaders for that unit. So I could certainly see them bringing him back. You know, while some fans will moan and groan and, you know, be upset by that. Well, it's weird. Exactly... it's weird to have a fullback that doesn't really play fullback, John. <laughs> well, I, and that's the thing. He's because the thing is, he is he's not really a fullback. The Seahawks list him at fullback, but he still to this day has played, you know, even after two or three seasons now as a 
quote unquote fullback. I believe when you pull up his NFL, his stats, his career, he still played, I believe it's four times as many snaps at linebacker in his career as he has at fullback. Right. And it's, you know, and, and so I think, I think it's one of those situations where it's like, we look at Nico Thorpe on the defensive side of the ball where it's say, okay, well, you know, Nico, he, he doesn't really contribute on defense. He's, you know, he's the fifth cornerback. If he's absolutely needed when he's healthy, you know, you'd prefer not to have him on the field on defense, but he's absolutely the special teams captain for a reason. And I think if Ballour were the sixth linebacker or the seventh linebacker, people would have absolutely no problem bringing him back on, you know, a, an identical two-year contract to the one he signed two years ago. But I think just because he has that fullback next to his name, Fans get up in a roar, even though you know, like you just said, he doesn't actually play fullback all that much. You know, I, you know, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but I would guess that yeah, he's had one carry for five yards. He had one reception for nine yards. Both of those came in that game against San Francisco, where I think they had multiple guys out due to injury in that game. And so even when he was rising to the top of the depth chart, he, he got two touches in a game. So, you know, I you could give Puna Ford those touches. No, exactly. And that's, you know, it's Puna Ford would be in the, you know, the Will Tukwafu, you know, <laughs> camp who is a defensive line convert for, you know, to play fullback. And I think, you know, I, I won't be surprised if he's back, but I think if he's back, they've got him at a, you know, he did some work at linebacker last year in camp. There were some reports by that. And I think I would not, like I said, I would not be surprised at all. If, if he comes back and he comes back as a linebacker, not as a fullback. I have to admit, John, I, I brought up Nick Ballore, not really expecting to have a long discussion on his future with the team. But but now I guess we can at least we can say we didn't completely ignore special teams. So let's touch on the defense because there are some big names there, especially with Shaquille Griffin and KJ Wright going into free agency. That's coming up next. Joining me to talk free agency is John Gilbert, deputy editor at Field Goals. Let's move over to defense and look at some of the key free agents there. KJ Wright, the biggest name probably. He played under a $7 million contract this year. Uh, you got linebacker Bruce Irvin, who could potentially come back after being injured most of the season. You got cornerback Quentin Dunbar, who I this blew me away. When I looked at Track, it had Quentin Dunbar listed as because they, they list like their market rate. It had mm -hmm. him down as 17.6 million a year as his market rate, which was crazy <laughs> to me. Uh, and then uh, Benson Mayoa, uh, who could potentially come back next year. Yeah. And I think, you know, just like you said, I, I would guess in all likelihood that Wright, you know, is on his way out the door. Um, you know, I don't think we see him back. I love him. He's one of my favorite players. Absolutely. will miss him. Uh, we'll be a fan of him until, you know, wherever he goes, as long as he's not playing against the Seahawks. But I think, you know, you've got Bobby Wagner in the middle and he's not going anywhere. You've got Jordan Brooks, who's probably going to be the second linebacker. I mean, he will be the second linebacker on the team, you know, if they've got, healthy defensive backs and are playing as much nickel defense as they should be, then you're really using two linebackers on you. Know, they should be using two linebackers on your league wide averages. It's going to be 60 to 70% of snaps. So you're looking at a third linebacker you need for 30 to 40% of the snaps. Well, you've spent draft picks on Shaquem Griffin. You spent draft picks on Cody Barton. You spent draft picks on Ben Burke Irvin. you know, and it's, 
my guess would be that Barton would take over as the that be that third linebacker. Um, but it's, you know, it's certainly possible that they could go another direction, um, you know, or that, you know, one of the other names could emerge. So I, I think Wright's gone. I think we see Brooks step up, get that second linebacker spot, play more than the 350 or so snaps that he played this year. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's Brooks and Bobby next year at the linebacker position, defensive backfield. I think they've got three of the four spots set. If you want to consider nickel a starting spot, they've got four of the five spots set with, or at least, you know, they've got names that they can rely on with Ugo Amadi at the nickel spot, Adams Reed and Diggs at the other three spots. And they're really only trying to address the one corner spot. I agree with you. I don't think Dunbar's market is anywhere near 17 million. You know, I mean, I, I, I had to do a double take when it, you know, PFF projected his market at two years and 12 million, but that's, you know, that's something that I could see if it was a, you know, okay, you know, we'll give you 6 million guaranteed on a two year, $12 million contract. And if you're not good in 2021, then you'll be gone. I'm not saying the Seahawks would do that, but I, I'm say I could see a team putting that would that be a reasonable number. I, I would look at that and I wouldn't think it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, it would be more than I would want to pay, but if you, you know, if it, if he's healthy and the knee checks out, please, by all means, you know, we, his 2019 tape looked good. His 2020 tape did not look good, but we know that he was battling a knee injury. So what the details are, we don't know, but we can only guess, but it's, you know, you could tell in that Buffalo game that it was, he was not healthy and it's, right. you know, it's unfortunate because of what could have been. And then on the defensive line, you know, I mean, Irvin, I think he came back to Seattle. He loves Seattle, obviously. I would be happy to have him back on a, on an inexpensive deal, you know, with, with performance incentives, with him coming off of that knee injury, Mayawa, if he's, you know, if he wants to come back, if he doesn't find a market for his services elsewhere, you know, he performed well when he was healthy. So between, between those guys, between the youngsters that they already have on rookie contracts and then add in Carlos Dunlap, whether they extend him or keep him, the defense doesn't feel like there are nearly as many questions as there are on offense. And it, it really that's feels su- like, yeah, that's the surprising thing going into this off season is even with the defensive line it, with Carlos Dunlap being under contract and having guys like Rasheem green and Alton Robinson. And, you know, Daryl Taylor was so close to practicing or it sounded like he was practicing at the end. And, and I don't know whether or not to read into Pete that he could have, you know, maybe been in contention to play had they played another game. I, I don't know if that's him being optimistic or realistic. And so I, I kind of like this group of defensive linemen, especially at the edge spots. Well, you got Jaron Reed coming back too, and, you know, Puna Ford as well. And Brian Monet in the middle. I mean, right. you've got all three of the defensive tackles who were on the roster are either under contract or uh, under team control. Uh, you know, and Cedric Lattimore played well in the playoff game uh, coming up from the practice squad. So it's, you know, it's just another name to throw in the mix. And then like, is it, there's not a whole lot of questions at linebacker there. You've got one question at, at that opposite corner, that last quarterback spot. It, it almost feels on the D like you were saying before, where we were having this discussion about which unit has the most questions going into 2021. Um, you know, if you'd asked us midseason, we've been like, oh, they're going to overhaul this defense because this thing, this unit's, this group sucks. <laughs> um, you know, and now here we are. It's like, okay, well, this group played pretty well down the stretch. They had moments, you know, there were some communication, some coverage, you know, blown coverages at time, whatever. But that, it happens, you know, as a whole down the stretch, the group played so much better. And we're in a position now where it's like, okay, well, all right, well, 
the defensive line looks really good. We can add a couple of pieces here and there, but there are no pressing needs. There's not really a pressing need, a linebacker. We've got names in competition for that second corner spot before the five spots in the secondary are pretty well covered. And we've got some pretty decent depth with younger guys like Ryan Neal. What happens with Marquise Blair when he comes back? You know, it's, it's a whole lot of questions that are, that aren't their, their questions, but they're not, they're not pressing. They're not important. They're yeah. not who's going to be protecting Russell Wilson on the offensive line because we're 40% of our guys are on starters or unsigned for next year. So it's, it, it really is a surprise of how things, at least to me, how things have turned out with the, the groups uh, going into the off season. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the one, well, I, I think I have two main questions with the defense and that is, do you bring Shaquille Griffin back just because Man, going into this season, if I look at, you know, just who's on the roster, if I say, okay, you got Shaquille Griffin starting opposite DJ Reed, I, I feel like corn, and then you have Ugo Amadi or, you know, the, the number of other guys who could fill in and play nickel. That feels really good. But then if you take out Shaquille Griffin, you're talking about DJ Reed and then maybe starting Trey Flowers opposite him or, you know, however the competition works out. With regard to those guys, I it, it brings up a whole lot more questions for me if you take Griffin out of that. But they've always seemed to find other guys. And so it, it just it uh, it's difficult for me to say, yes, pay a guy like Griffin when you could spend that money protecting Russell Wilson. And that, that just seems like a better place to to spend the money. And then the other question is linebacker with. You know, KJ Wright, you know, you mentioned that he's he's probably gone, especially, you know, he could price his way out of Seattle. But then you know, with that conversion to the strong side linebacker, that could be the spot that Bruce Irvin comes back. And, you know, if he's healthy, he could he could probably give you he's not going to be KJ Wright with a, a, just the way he played so incredibly this season. But I don't know if you can count on another year like that from Wright again either. Yeah, I mean, you know, Wright's at the age where. It was only a couple of years ago where, hey, KJ is just a couple of weeks away from coming back. He's just a couple of weeks away from coming back. And it was, you know, OK, is this going to be a knee or a career ending knee injury? And then he came back and he had a very solid night 2019. Then he came back and had an even better 2020. And now we're at the situation where it's like, OK, you know, had you asked me before the season, you know, I mean, a year ago, people right now were sitting there saying Seahawks fans are saying, look, love KJ, need that cap space. Right. Oh, sorry. It's good. KJ's got to go. And then, I mean, KJ came out and had the absolute, had an absolutely fantastic year. And now people are like, you know, we'd love to have KJ, but we don't have the cap space. And I think whether he winds up in Seattle, whether he winds up elsewhere, I, like I said, I'd love to have him back. You know, the defense isn't going to give up a screen pass when he's on the field. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't think it's going to happen. Whether it's, you know, Robert Salo going to the Jets or whether it's, you know, Gus Bradley with the Raiders, you know, there are a lot of people out there running Pete's style of defense who can bring in KJ during an offseason when there may not be a whole lot of uh, offseason workouts and KJ can, and players aren't allowed to have contact with the coaches and KJ can start helping install the, the packages and the defense and teaching youngsters their responsibilities once he's signed in March versus... Um, you're waiting until training camp in July or August. With that said, if they do re-sign KJ, I'm totally okay with it. I love KJ Wright. <laughs> Please, by all means, cut Russell. Bring KJ back. That's <laughs> I mean, if it comes down to it, John, I don't know. <laughs> I'm glad I'm, uh, my emotional self is not making the decision. That's, uh, that's all. That's all I have to say. 
no absolutely you know i and it's it's one of those things where he's i think he's a fan favorite i think it's it's a it is an absolute shame that he spent the majority of his he will have spent the majority of his career uh you know playing in the shadows of the one of the greatest if not the greatest linebacker in, in the history of the game and overshadowed on a defense where he was playing behind Cliff Averill and Michael Bennett and guys like that and playing in front of Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor. You know, there's only so many names that can fit into the brains of non-Seahawks fans. You know, he's fantastic. He was consistent throughout the years. He wasn't making the big flashy plays most of the time, but it was he's, he's just a phenomenal player. He does what he's supposed to do. He is where he needs to be. And yeah, we've seen those skills erode, but he's still an impact player at an age where most linebackers have already, you know, they, most linebackers don't last as long as he has. And he's still, you know, impactful. And it's, you know, like I said, I'll be rooting for him wherever he signs next year, as long as he's not on the field facing the Seahawks. So, Well, with that said, I, I want to go back to kind of the conversation around the defensive backs, too, because. Okay, so if, say, KJ does come back, then you have two linebackers that you're paying top of the market money too because i i do think that kj is probably looking for that kind of payday and, he, and he, you know what even if he came back for the same level contract that it was last year i do think that that's more than most teams you know are willing to pay two guys over seven million for for their linebacker spots um you know unless they're a three four defense but and then you have carlos dunlap making you know upwards of 10 million on the defensive line you know puna ford could be in line for a big contract in the interior you already have jaron reed there too and so you're, you're kind of filling up you know big money positions and then on the back end if you want to pay jamal adams and then if you have shaquille griffin too I, I it feels like you're spending way too much on the defense when you know you have guys on the offense you have spots on the offensive line to fill too so where do you kind of prioritize the positions you know, I, and I think it's, I think they're at the point where it's really going to come down to, you know, who's going to be the offensive coordinator. And I think what ends up being the priority could be in part determined by who ends up being the offensive coordinator. You know, if we, if they bring in an offensive coordinator, who's going to change or at least alter somewhat the offensive system and the, the style of blocking or whatever it may be that they need to invest a little bit more money into the offensive line than they have in the past. Um, you know, obviously the team has largely shied away from spending massive money on the offensive line. They've gone bargain hunting in free agency. Um, you know, they haven't signed the mammoth contracts, the multi-year deals to players, but I could see them spending more money than a lot of fans anticipate, particularly if they feel it could help Russell, you know, he, He's not the highest paid quarterback in the league anymore, but is, you know, you do have a $35 million a year investment there at the quarterback that you're looking to protect because you're not really, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they're not looking forward to having Geno Smith roll out there because Russ is in the hospital or something. Right. And so it's, you know, I could see them spending more on the offensive line than, you know, devoting to the defense. I think my guess would be that they would likely not go cheap, but, I think Pete's going to be more confident in his ability to come up or to coach up uh, an outside cornerback than he is to be able to develop an offensive lineman in the, over the course of a single off season. And he's got, you know, he's got guys, whether it's Gavin Heslop, whether it's Jason Stanley, you know, Ryan Neal, whether he stays at safety or moves to an outside spot, 
I, I think he's got the names at corner that he could say, you know, we'd love to have you back, Shaquille, but we just don't have the money. I realistically, I don't think, I just don't see him coming back with the emergence of DJ Reed. Um, if he wants to play on league minimum, I think they have him back every day of the week, you know, but it's not, I, I don't think. <laughs> well, or even, you know, gosh, like I feel like Quandre Diggs has been playing on a pretty reasonable veteran type contract too. So something like that, I, I don't think you could even say no to, but I, I don't think that he's going to, even with everything that we've seen from Seattle corners where they've gone to other teams and just not had the same level of success that they had in Seattle. Richard Sherman, obviously the, the one exception to that, but uh, you know, everybody who played opposite Richard Sherman went other places and, and you just didn't see that same level of success. No, absolutely. And I think that comes down to it's a, you know, it's a function of both the system and, you know, what Pete can do. And it's, I think the team is, I think the Seahawks are well aware of that and well aware of the fact that they don't necessarily need to, to overpay for that second cornerback spot. I mean, they certainly didn't do it this year. They went out, they spent a, was it a fifth or a sixth round pick they sent for Dunbar to, you know, pay him three and a half million dollars. And if they, you know, they'll be shopping the market for that kind of deal, that kind of trade this year too. So it's, it's not urgent. Yes. They'd love to have Griffin back. Like you said, if he comes back on a, you know, with some kind of contract that's similar to, you know, what Diggs is playing for, please, by all means, let's get that done. Um, you know, but I don't think that's what Griffin is looking for. So it's, you know, we'll see how everything plays out, especially, you know, if, if some team overpays for Griffin, um, you know, I could see one of the Florida teams overpaying for him to bring him home, use him as the hometown boy, whatever, you know, the, the local the name that would not surprise me at all. And if he cashes in, he cashes in, you know, and Seattle will say, you know, best of luck to you, please. When it doesn't work out, like it didn't work out for Byron, we're more than happy to have you back. So, right. you know, I think we'll just, it'll be wait and see, but I just, I, I really feel like as much as we would all love to have that confidence in that second corner position, I think the second corner position next year, it, it really feels like it's going to be, some kind of low end free agent acquisition or, you know, some kind of, you know, somebody who was acquired in trade like Dunbar in competition with the younger guys and with Trey flowers. Well, that would be the one position that really scares me then going into the, into this next season. But, you know, if that's the one question mark on defense, I think that's probably the one place where I do have the most confidence that Pete and John can find a guy to come in and compete or, or even take over one of those spots. No, absolutely. You know, and as long as they're not out there signing Kerry Williams again, I think we should be all right. <laughs> He's John P. Gilbert of fieldgoals.com. John, anything else you want to touch on? Any articles coming up that you want to talk about coming up? Oh, just, you know, we're going to be getting into the crux of the offseason, looking at all the fun stuff. We've got the combine coming up, whatever the format of that's going to end up being in February, because that should be, could be extended and several weeks long and completely fun. Um, and then we, you know, obviously we head right into free agency and the draft. So it's going to be, you know, we've hit the off season, but this is the fun season. So follow him on Twitter at John P Gilbert NFL. Check out his work up at fieldgoals.com. If you hadn't tuned into our first part of our conversation, go back to Monday's episode. We talked about salary cap. John's got a new article up at fieldgoals.com with the expected salary cap range for 2021. You're going to want to check that out. Also, be sure and check out my latest episode of the Seahawkers podcast. It's up at seahawkerspodcast.com. We covered Pete Carroll's end-of-the-year press conference, and Adam and I settled on the one name that we both want to see 
as the new Seahawks offensive coordinator. Check that out. Stay tuned to this podcast here throughout the offseason. If you're not subscribed, go to sbnation.com slash NFL podcasts and subscribe to this show. Get it in your podcast feed whenever there's a new episode. And until next time, go Hawks. Go Hawks.